Welcome to Everyday Animism. This is a podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. It's hosted by Kelly Harrell, myself, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hello there. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing good. Good. I'm doing all right. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Good. It sounds like we're all having a, a rushed kind of day, but I have to say... Janet sent me the most delicious tea that I just, I had trouble paying attention to my client just a minute ago. (laughs) It's called Evening in Missoula, and it smells like you could just eat the leaves. It's so good. Thank you. You're quite welcome. (laughs) I love a good cup of tea. You are very, yeah, I feel like we're all catching our breath here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been at home this morning and just doing normal run-of-the-mill stuff, and I still feel like I'm rushing. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. I think I need some tea. That's it. I need tea. I officially have been rushing, so it just sort mm-hmm. of is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe we could take a quick moment and, because I, I knew we were all rushing, to just kind of take a deep breath. And in that way that we are talking about animism, just acknowledge the very special entity that we've created by making this space. Thank you. I just needed a touchstone. (laughs) So um, I think we had talked about getting into what animism looks like this week. Does anyone feel strongly led to start that conversation? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's hard to talk about what animism looks like because it really is. um, It's so far out of the purview of most people even in the modern pagan community animism is not the cool club it Mm -hmm. it i mean you get in deep water when -hmm. you start talking about being an animist in a general group of pagans so Mm -hmm. it's interesting um i also i was doing a little bit of looking because i've been working on our website which by the way is everydayanimism.tumblr.com Um, But I was looking, you know, for resources on good links that really emulate what we've talked about as being animism. And it's, it's really brought up some very interesting, you know, there's a link on Quora, you know, what's the difference between shamanism and animism? And some people saying they're the same thing. And some people saying um, that animism the difference is that animism requires sacrifice to the each of these souls and that there's a worship component that isn't present in shamanism, which I was like, what are you even talking about? And there's, there's even a, um, I thought the most interesting, the statement that I most identified with was from the Christian apologetics and research ministry site run by a minister who seems fairly feisty <laughs> The rest of what he had to say wasn't great, but he said animism is considered one of the oldest religious beliefs in the world. One of the oldest religious beliefs in the world. Animism is not a religion. It is a way of viewing nature. I was like, well, that's one of the least convoluted things I've read so far in the internet today. (laughs) It's hard to get a consensus from people on what animism is 
and what it was because mm-hmm. it's it's been lost. It's one of these things that we put down at, literally as in set it down, but we put it down also as in view it in a derogatory manner because it's considered uncivilized. Mm-hmm. And again, you have to think about why we're looking at it in that lens. And, and I know you ladies know this, but you know, when we talked about modern shamanism, the bajillion times that we have, we know that what we know of all of these things is filtered through some white guy, college student, yes. mm-hmm. uh, PhD, who probably waspish origins, you know, Western, Northern European origins, quite possibly American, depending on mm-hmm. what time frame we're talking about, who delved into a tribal culture that he very obviously was not part of was visiting mm-hmm. and all he could do was relate his observation of what they were doing. He didn't speak mm-hmm. the language. Maybe he didn't even try to speak the language. There's a lot of bias around mm-hmm. what we think the perspectives are. And so I feel like we get more wisdom from the, the, maybe the art the anthropology from that standpoint of what mm-hmm. animism was. And so when we look at it through this filter of it being a way of relating or experiencing the immediate surroundings, nature and otherwise in the modern context, it, it just becomes this overlay that we're already connected into and we're realizing how we're connected into it and how we're active within it. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of argument about how that manifests. Like some people will say um, animism has no hierarchy. Other people will say there are different levels of agency, de- you know, dependent mm-hmm. on what space you mm-hmm. occupy in a community. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of arguments that you can make about what it is as mm-hmm. far as distinguishing it from shamanism. Well, I, I, y'all know, I get on a soapbox about this, but there are a ton of modern shamanists who don't know what animism is. And that just blows me away. Uh, if we're mm-hmm. discussing this in the full circle, traditional historic perspective, animists are not shamans but all shamans theoretically are animists Mm -hmm. it means that they are aware of that enlivenedness of the space around them that everything is alive is aliveness and they have elected been elected or somehow been selected to be a leader that is a bridge with a foot in both of those worlds Mm -hmm. And that yep. is a, a step beyond mere observation and, and interacting in the unseen, but taking on a role as leader between the seen and unseen to promote healing across both of those um, yes. polarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as the newest um, practitioner of modern shamanism and animism here, my concept of animism is never what I think it should be or never what I expect it to be. Because when I go out and I'm out there with nature, in the back of my mind, I've got, as an animal communicator, okay, the animals are going to come and talk and we're going to have this grand time and it's going to be really wonderful. And yesterday when I was outside, the animals didn't come and it was the wind. 
and I didn't know how to mm-hmm. be with the wind. Mm-hmm. And it was just a matter of letting go of that fear of, oh my gosh, what do I say to the wind? I've never met you before. Who are you? <laughs> and just being in the presence of the wind. Now here in, in Missoula on my little mountain, I can get a lot of wind and I had a lot of wind. Um, so there was, it almost feels like walking a tightrope without some kind of security blanket underneath it sometimes for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's also important to remember that it doesn't have to be a verbal or oral language. You know, it doesn't have to be this, like, what do I say? Like, just acknowledging that there's a relationship there because the other thing you are considering is it's, is an entity unto itself is, is important for me. You know, like I, I have the practice, I have a practice that in, you know, I offer shamanic service, but I also offer counseling and when I'm offering counseling, there's an, there's an animistic approach to that just in the fact that I look at the emotion as an entity in the room. And I'm able to talk to clients in a way that I'm honoring their feeling as a thing that exists, you know, separate from them as a thing to be honored, whether it's, whether, whether it came to be through a valid perception of reality, whatever that is, or it exists because of a dynamic between two other entities, or it exists because of a reaction to something I've said in the room, all of that has worth and is to be taken into account. And I'm not, I'm not talking to the feeling in the room, but the fact that I respect it as a thing that exists and inherently has worth because it exists helps me to validate the feelings of the people that step into the room. And I feel like that's animism too. I feel like all Mm -hmm. of it is, I mean, it, it enables you to respect everything around you in a way that you wouldn't if a chair was just a chair. And how could, how could that translate into like taking care of the planet itself? If the planet was a person in need of that caretaking and had potentially billions of caretakers, what if we were to view Mm -hmm. the earth that way on the biggest level? Well, that's not even the biggest level, but you know, on the highest planetary level, what if we all looked at things that way, how much more respect would be in all of those relationships? Well, I think it's also taking off our human lenses and looking at things from a non-human perspective and it when you when i start doing that it's like there is literally a kaleidoscope of new things that i'm experiencing whether that is through senses or whether that is through thoughts or feelings or whatever and all of a sudden it's like wow this is just an incredible experience but it's also hard to articulate because I articulate through the human language. And sometimes what I'm experiencing, I don't have the words in the human language to articulate, but I can say, oh, that was really cool. Or I want to do that again. I want to experience that again. Mm-hmm. What you said, Janet, about walking the tightrope with the wind, like, um, you know, have I met you before? Do I know you? I don't think I know you. The, the part about that, that I just feel silly about still I mean I this I'm like 22 years of devoting my life to this and this is my filter this is my lens this is the way that my calling leads me and I follow and it's still I I can't help but wonder sometimes where I am just you know Kelly am not acquainted with this where is it part of where my lineage is broken where is it part of where my path is broken? And that's why I don't know this particular 
gust of wind or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and then the fact that I even ask myself that question, I just kind of feel like, you know, the silly girl in the room because maybe none of that matters. And that's, that's the part of the wisdom of an animistic path that we don't have in this culture. Mm-hmm. I was talking with one of my friends the other day, um, Native American shaman. And she was saying how on her fireplace mantle, she has the family totem. And she <laughs> said, it's been in the family for generations. And now it's my turn to, to safeguard it and take care of it. And she said that with about the same thing, same um, attachment, perhaps, that I would say is, it's raining outside, I need an umbrella. And when I heard what she was saying and realized the what was behind those words of having that family, that lineage behind her to be able to say that it took my breath away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, you bring up a good point around totemism, which is not, Hey, this is my animal guide. I know we touched on that last week, but the, the, the common traditional perspective on totemism is it is exactly what you just explained. It is a being a nature being that has had relationship with a family, a clan, a tribe, a region over decades, if not generations. And we have nothing yeah. like that right. in this culture. Mm-hmm. We have nothing even close to it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if, if you really want to have that conversation, I think you can only have it with a person of a tribal tradition that that is an unbroken lineage thing that we don't have and we you know we we need to own that we need to own the lack of it we need to own the respect for people who do have it and we also need to understand the healing that we need to bring in for how we create um whatever the new version of that is that we can instill from here forward so um Janet, when you started talking about totems, uh, I literally was turning to the tab in my browser uh, where I look. one of the things that I looked up, uh, it brought up an, um, a Native, uh, Native American site, Warpaths to Peace Pipes. I'll put a link in the description for the episode. Um, but it talks about totemism, and it was exactly what you just said, Kelly. Totemism is the practice of having a natural object or animate being such as a bird or animal as the emblem of a family, clan, or tribe. Totemism encompasses a system of tribal organization according to totems. Um, and what it, it has these aspects of animism in general, being, um, you know, shamanism as one manifestation of, you know, use of animism, totemism, and the other is fetishism. And I think the fetishism versus totemism is where people are getting so hung up I mean, it even clicked something for me, but, you know, fetishism, which I'll, I'll just read the definition here and we can talk about it. But uh, fetishism is a subordinate branch of animism encompassing the doctrine of spirits embodied, attached or conveying influence through certain animals or material objects. And I, by that definition, you know, I'm sure there are multiple, but by de- that definition, I think that is much of what people are doing when they say, you know, bear is my totem brown bear is my totem or it's always something gorgeous or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> what is uh, it what is it 
what is I can't remember. It's Benabum, but I can't remember what it stands for. Oh yeah. Oh I'll yeah, I know up. what you're talking about. Yeah. Either. I'll look yeah. it up. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, it's but um I think I think that's an important distinguish distinguishing factor, but also um it's also some other like tangible ways that animism ma- manifests itself into everyday life, which is, you know, and one of the other things was ritualism and ceremonialism, um, that when you're able to see the personhood in everything around you, all of those things take on a meeting that enables them to be part of sacred practices, rituals, ceremony. Um, shamanism can be a way of entering that, you know, that world but there's also these other ways, you know, totemism, if you have that lineage and you are not on a broken path, that's part of it likely. Fetishism, I, I think, plays into my practice. I don't know that I refer to it that way. And I don't know if fetishism would be appropriative in the way that totemism feels like it's appropriative. I'm not sure about that either. And I, I have been more comfortable personally um, working with things as fetishes I, mm-hmm. I don't work I don't I don't totem I don't for me that right. is a hard right. and fast line I I don't say the word even I mean and in reference to my own work and practice because I just for me it is a culturally appropriated thing so mm-hmm. it's big impressive North American birds and mammals been on them it's my yeah, to- my yeah. totem's bigger than yours my totem's yeah. better than yours <laughs> yeah it's always a line yeah exactly lion mm-hmm. tigers and bears Right. Or unicorns or, you know, whatever. Right. Right, right. Not earthworm or not maggots. Mm-hmm. I've not met anyone with a or, mag- or maggot. Or mountain. It's it's yeah. not mountain. It's um <gasps> it's also never a blade of grass. It's never a cloud. And it's never um someone of a different gender or ethnicity from another part of the world. Mm-hmm. Point taken. There's a point mm-hmm. where you have to ask yourself why that is. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And that's a problem. It is a problem. What kind of, because the thing is, we all know the inherent qualities that are useful to embody about a tiger. Like, I mean, we're all familiar. We all know they're powerful and beautiful and, you know, ruthless and whatever, all the things that there are, they're easy to just to explore. So is, you know, is it really showing up as a teacher? Whereas, you know, like, how much how much more can you go down a, a an exploration rabbit hole if you know that thing you're working with is a blade of grass or grass itself right like we have or, ne- right how mm-hmm. or mushroom or, yeah right yeah right the the stillness that that a tree experiences what is there to be what what could we be taught by that that we are not taught by animals that we ultimately already relate to there's so much more to be gained from, or not even just a tree, but like, what about a table? I mean, a table that was once a tree that's been, you know, who created it? How long has it sat there? What has it held? What is it? How has it aged? You know, what is its purpose? You know, there's so much to be explored in those things that are not logical guides. I, I think we do ourselves a disservice by always looking for the unicorn in our cosmology. We do. And, and in, in a sense, it is part of our 
evolution, our, our biological evolution, our neurological evolution to do that because we learn from watching animals. We, we learn our socialization skills from watching animals, but we also learned them from watching trees and, mm -hmm. and streams. So, I mean, still, there are definitely overlays of, of othering in how we view animism, fetishism, and totemism, I guess. But, um, but I think that where we are now in the development of our psyche and where we have the opportunity to move in modern shamanism and animism, we can do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I had an interesting conversation with a real life friend this past week, and it was about um, one of the words that we've touched on today and one that we touched on last week, which was appropriation. And, you know, she was asking me about it and I was explaining it. And then she said, but how am I supposed to learn about this if I don't take it and try to learn from it? And I said, the key word there is taking it without the permission, without asking, you know, taking and learning about it as is in culture. what? Sorry. Right. What? You, taking what? Taking the totem. Okay. And learning about it. And as I explained it to her, it's, it's the taking of it without permission, without talking to somebody about it, who is of that tribe or of that, um, that belief, you know? Well, and calling it totem as well. But yeah. right. also, I mean, there's a difference. I mean, it's not all cultural appropriation. There's also cultural appreciation. And there's a difference. You can, Big difference. You yes. can learn about something and you, or you can also find your own way of working with crow or whatever in a way that doesn't use language that's taken from a culture that still exists or that you have no right to. Um, and not to go down a total cultural appropriation rabbit hole because we're three white chicks, but um, there's some, there are some links on the site as well for our podcast, but I do think it's important to understand. And if you don't understand, there's plenty of, there are plenty of places to learn about the difference between appropriation and appreciation. I do think it's worth saying, um, you know, as three white chicks, we can talk about what cultural appropriation is and what we do to be conscientious of that and to yes. continuously educate around that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to understand what it is, you need to talk to somebody who's on the other side of that, whose culture has been appropriated. And I think nativeappropriations.com is one of the most educational sites that you can go to, to mm -hmm. understand what it is, how it impacts people and how you need to stop doing that. Yeah. There's a link to that. I'll put it in this week's um, episode notes too, but there's a link to that in last week's episode notes as well. Cause we did mention appropriation and it's in our resource page too. It's a it's in a couple of videos that I have found good for people who want something quick, although that lesson is not a quick one. No, but it's a start. Right. It's a starting point. Yeah. 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 And we all need those starting points, mm -hmm. you know, and it's good that we're having these conversations. Mm -hmm. So we have a few minutes. Um, do either of you have, you know, more insights in terms of what animism looks like in terms of practical use in your everyday life? Like how, what you see as consciously intentional, you know, animistic interaction. Do either of you have some insights there? Foremost, get outside. Mm -hmm. Get mm -hmm. outside, 
in your space, whether you, know, whether you have a yard or you don't have a personal yard, but you have a public park and there's a spot in that park that you're drawn to for some curious reason, go be in it and not to mow the grass or pull weeds, but, but to genuinely carry the heartful intent of acknowledging that space as being alive. And I think it goes a long ways to say these things out loud. You have to risk looking like an idiot if you want to be an animist. You have to risk walking mm-hmm. through your nature space and talk to it and sing to it. Tell it who you mm-hmm. are. Tell it what you're doing there. Tell it what you hope to accomplish by having the conversation. And, you know, do you want to play with me? Check yes, check no. I mean, you have to be willing to have these rudimentary relationship openers and stay in that conversation ongoing. You can't just show up once a month. You know, you, you have to show up on a regular basis, just like you do any other relationship in your life. Yeah, I yeah. think, and we talked to, I think we've talked amongst ourselves this week about the idea of appreciating nature and engaging in relationship doesn't mean taking it like picking up feathers, taking stones, ripping flowers out of the ground. Like part of that animistic exploration is how can you appreciate something, have a relationship with it um, and ask before taking and not take feathers. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I was downstairs in the kitchen the other day, and one of my houseplants said, you know, I really like it when you sing. Would you sing to me? So I'm standing there singing to the houseplant. Mm-hmm. And not any specific song, just, you know, la-di-da-di-da, just singing whatever. And it was so, the benefit for me was it was so relaxing. Mm-hmm. And the benefit for the plant, I believe, was that it was so relaxing, too, in that relationship mm-hmm. that I was listening and that I responded mm-hmm. and taking that time to, to be in that moment of response, really kind of fun. I need to sing to her again. I love that. And I, I think too, with um, making sure to get outside, I feel like the more we connect with the land that we're on, there's also the opportunity to connect with where the spaces we live in are part of that as well. And that maybe there was, you know, well, there inevitably was nature, you know, of a more outdoor greenery, plants, trees there before we put a house on it. And how can we take care of that house with a gratitude for where it's taking up space that used to be something else's and having a mindful relationship with that space as well. One thing that I tell all of my clients and all definitely students is nature is our first tribe. I mean, everybody thinks it's their family, but, and it is, but most people as child animists relate to that, which stimulates their imagination. You're lucky if that's your family, but for most people, it's nature. It's some component of nature that really sings to them. And so, um, having nature as the realization of your first tribe it's it's not the end of it it's the beginning of it because if if we really come into nature and come into relationship with nature then we begin to understand that we can't exclude people we can't exclude the elements these you know sometimes more abstract things but we also can't exclude people and 
the lack of including people in our spiritual nature relationships, I think has a lot to do with why we can't get along with each other in the mundane. Absolutely. Well said. That feels like a good closing point. I love that. I was going to it was going to be hard to top that Kelly. You, you did a great job there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And perfectly timed. We're right around the, we're just yeah. a little over the 25 minute mark. So, um, just to remind everyone, uh, we do have a website now and it has the links to all the ways to subscribe to the podcast. It has links to Kelly and Janet and me. Um, and that is everydayanimism.tumblr.com. So we will see you there. You can also ask questions there. There's a button that says, ask us anything. Um, that's probably the best place to ask questions that we can all um, field and decide what we want to answer. We'd love to have your questions. You can also call in here on Anchor. If you're tech savvy enough to navigate this platform, it can be a little tricky. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Thank ladies. You. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yep. Have a great week. Yep. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.